Today's reading is taken from Colossians, chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. And now verse 15. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, we thank you for drawing us this morning on such a beautiful day. And we pray that some of that light and warmth may touch our hearts and souls. That we may leave on fire with love for you. In your name. Amen. Now, I don't know if uh, you've ever written a letter, probably now an email, of course, uh, to someone that you don't really know, but you've heard about. Uh, What is it that you would say? What would be important to you? If you had one opportunity of writing to them and you want to express something really important. If I was to ask my older son, it would be full of sport. From beginning to end. All the sports that he plays, watches, and occasionally he goes to work. (laughs) But only to talk to, he's a teacher, so he talks to his pupils then about sport. Um, If it was about me, just at the moment, I can tell you precisely what I would want to tell you. I would be able to tell you that after four months of getting up at five o'clock in the morning, Nick Bamba to go training, running. Ten days ago, I ruptured a tendon in my leg. With a week to go to the London Marathon. So the chances of me, humanly speaking, reaching the starting line are almost zero. That is the second year running. Last year, I broke a bone in my other foot. (laughs) So I'm kind of evening up the pain. So, and you can only defer 
for one year. So thank you for all those that have sponsored me. William is still going to be running as far as I'm aware. But I would dearly like to run. I can at least now move, so that's, that's progress in a week. Um, but if you would like to pray for some sort of divine intervention and healing of my ankle, I, I would bless you. <laughs> because I don't want to be training for a third year to do the same thing. So, in that lightness of spirit, as you can tell, <laughs> I wonder what we would write to people. Let's assume that this is the church in Uganda that Debbie, Marion, uh, Kim, uh, and uh, whole uh, Alex and, and a, a few people visited just over a year, or two years probably ago, wasn't it? Two years coming like that. We don't know them, but we know of them. We know of their faith. What is so important to you that you would address these fellow believers, these fellow strugglers, possibly facing the same difficulties as ourselves, what do you want to say to them? You may want to turn to page 1182, Colossians, the letter of Paul to the people in Colossae. Written about AD 62, while Paul was in prison in Rome. So things weren't great for Paul either. It would appear, if you look at verse 7, you learned it from Epaphras. This church was created, they were converted by Epaphras. Paul, it would appear, had never even been there. He didn't know these people, but he knew of them. He nevertheless has a deep interest for them and in them and prays for them daily. And he writes, as he says, right at the beginning, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. Now, a, a, an apostle is usually considered to be fairly interchangeable with a disciple. It generally refers to a close follower of Jesus. And in that sense, we are all apostles, which is why I ask the question, what would you say? What would you say to encourage and teach another? Now, he's speaking to the church in Colossae. Uh, it's in a region called Phrygia, which is modern-day Turkey. So if you've got Turkey like that, and that's the middle, it's just slightly, from your side, it's just slightly west, slightly left of centre, more or less where uh, the modern... Uh, city of Ankara is, I suppose, that sort of region. Colossae was on the trade route from Ephesus on the coast up to Tiberias. It was on the, the sort of head of a valley where a tributary and the main river met. And this was a really important trading position. It was a place, not surprisingly, where all sorts of views came together. Uh, we have the uh, Jewish zealots influenced uh, by adhering strictly to the law. Uh, and we learnt, those of you that were at Cafe Church last Sunday evening, uh, had something very similar, uh, where we were talking about how the Muslims have everything mapped out. These are the rules that you have to adhere to, 
And then if Allah thinks you've met them adequately, then you'll be taken to heaven. And the Jewish zealots, so we were told, were very similar. There was a whole criteria that you had to meet in order to be deemed good enough for God. So you have those. Then you have the Greeks, and the Greeks were philosophers. So much more open and liberal in their views. They were big into mythology. So all sorts of of ideas would have been buzzing around. And then in the middle, again, you have the Gnostics. Gnosticism was about knowledge. Basically, the word means knowledge. I know the answer. We've got it all sorted. But they denied, therefore, the deity of Jesus because it wasn't necessary. And Paul sets out in this letter to challenge the church from all of these conflicting viewpoints. And they have been saved. Right at the beginning, he says, you've been saved in verse 14, just before the bit that I'm, uh, I'm about to look at. He says, you've been saved from your former life in darkness. You've been rescued from the dominion of darkness. And he's given thanks for their faith. He's reminded them of his love for them and his prayers for them. And now, in verses 15 to 20, which is the first section we're going to look at, we're going to go back, and I think Colin's going to go back and look at that that prayer and thanksgiving. But today we're looking at what Paul wants to put across. The first main point that he wants to put across to these people in Colossae. So, verses 15 And 16. Jesus is the creator. Jesus here is referred to as the image of God. Now we've heard that phrase before, haven't we? Because if you go right back to Genesis 1, the creation of the world, and you follow that story of creation through, we hear that Adam was made in the image of God. But he was made in the image of God. The phraseology here in Colossians is Jesus is the image of God. He is a replica. It's not like he's similar or in like form. He is the representation of God himself. In other words, he is God. Jesus then was the first born, it says, Now, that doesn't mean that he was born first. Firstborn here, translate actually, is preeminent. He was already in being, is what it's trying to say. He was already in being. Jesus, God himself, then created uh, Adam, the other creatures, universe, earth, and so on. Uh, And interestingly, in that passage in Genesis, as a slight digression, the word for God, which is El, is actually written as Elohim in the Hebrew. And Elohim is plural, so God's made. In other words, the Trinity. It's the first uh, emphasis right at the beginning of our Bible that there is a Trinity in our Godhead. But at the beginning, Jesus was there. He is the creator 
And Paul is therefore proclaiming him as God himself. So the first thing we want to tell our Ugandan friends is that Jesus Christ is God. But not only that, in verse 17 going on, he's before all things and in him all things hold together. Jesus is not only the creator, he's the sustainer. He is before all things in the sense that he was there at the beginning. That's the power of creation. But he holds everything together. Now, I don't know if uh, you, for any of your Christmas presents, have been given one of those wooden toys. Those wooden puzzles made up of about 20 pieces. uh, And when you pop out the first one, the whole thing just falls apart. And it's that last piece which holds the whole puzzle together. Or perhaps um, uh, you're a bit of a costume drama fan uh, and you you watch these programmes and they're always being taken around in a horse and cart. Well, think of that spoke on that old cart wheel. How would it work without the spoke in the middle? That wheel can carry masses of weight. It can travel quite quickly. It's firm and rigid and secure. Take out that spoke in the middle and the whole thing falls apart. That is what we're talking about here. Jesus is the centre, the sustainer, causing that equilibrium, everything holding together. Jesus is doing that for his creation in an ongoing sense. I love that passage in Acts. It's actually Acts 17, 28, where it says of Christ, we live and move and have our being. In Christ, we live and move and have our being. It's a fantastic phrase, and it reminds me of uh, an orchestra. Because if we were an orchestra here this morning, we all have a part to play. And the movement, the, the symphony, the concerto, whatever it is, it is not complete unless you're playing your part. Something is always missing if you are not playing your part. But sometimes there's a bit of a discord. Sometimes someone is out of tune. They're not in harmony. Uh, A very long time, a very, very long time ago, uh, I was at school. uh, And I, I happened to have a saxophone. I still have my saxophone. It resides in our garage. I haven't seen it for about 15 years. But I had it, and I loved playing it, and uh, there was a school band, and they thought it would be a brilliant idea, because I had a saxophone, if I could play. It was one of the most embarrassing moments of my whole life, because I couldn't really play. And they didn't know that, and they were quite good, and I wasn't. And that feeling in my heart of being totally incompetent, when you're mic'd up, That is an embarrassing moment. And it spoilt them. Because after the first song, I'd noticed that they'd actually turned my mic off. (laughs) But not to be outdone, I just blew harder. (laughs) Which probably made it worse. But it's a horrible thing for that person and for the sound, those listening, for that discord 
And we can be out of tune unless we live and move and have our being in Christ. And so Paul says, look, God is your, Jesus is your creator. Jesus is your sustainer. But there's a gap. And the importance of that gap is in verses 18 to 20. Because we're not only created and sustained, we need to know this. In Uganda, you need to know this. Jesus is the reconciler. He's got out his divine tuning fork and he's tapped it and he says, you're out of tune. But but I can retune you. And that's what I want to do to every one of you so that you can join and take your part in the orchestra of life. And it was through the resurrection as we see here, the resurrection of Christ, that he reconciled to himself all things on earth in heaven. Interesting phrase, by making peace through his blood. How often do we see peace brought forward by the shedding of blood? Shedding of blood is all about uh, uh, violence and tumult and turmoil and anger and Yeah, it was all of those things. It was all of those things. But in Christ, the remarkable fact of the cross is that through the violence, the pain, the injustice, the humiliation, the anger, the turmoil, comes peace. Because it was willingly given through a loving Saviour. What was broken is healed. What was closed is opened through Jesus Christ, the Reconciler, who wants once again to bring all things back to himself so that he can love them in the way that he created, so that he can sustain them in the way that he wanted. See, I don't think we're so different from those people in Colossae. We have people telling us to follow the law. Again, we found that out last Sunday evening. We have people trying to give us rules. We then have the liberals in our society who say it doesn't really matter what you do. As long as you do it out of the goodness of your heart, it's okay with me. Trouble is, a sinner can't please a perfect God. The two are surely mutually exclusive And then there are those who don't feel the need for God at all because after all, we've got it all worked out. We're beyond all that sort of stuff. This is the postmodern generation where we know what we like. We know what is right. We know how things work. And therefore, God is no longer relevant. Our world is not so different, is it? Actually. We have all of these conflicting ideas and pressures upon us. But fundamentally, we need hope. We need purpose. We need to find our place in the order of life. And that comes through our Creator God who knows us intimately. It comes through our Sustainer God who wants a relationship with us. It comes through a Reconciler God who brings us back to where we can play our instrument, 
with him. We need to know what we're playing. We need to know the tune. We need to know how to do it. And Jesus says, I'll tune you. I'll bring you together. Every single person here today is in the orchestra. We've just got to get tuned to the right tune. And so Paul confronts the Colossians at the beginning of this letter with these images of Christ and says, if you want a relationship, the most important thing is the supremacy of Christ. Christ is in all, through all. In him we live and move and have our being. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you with all sorts of thoughts and ideas and issues and problems in our mind. And this morning we want to lay them before you. We want to say sorry for the things that seem important to us. And actually in the scheme of things are but nothing. We want to put ourselves once more before you. And ask that your tuning fork would be in our mind. We'd hear your song. We'd be able to sing in tune that we might bring glory to you because you first loved us. So Father, we ask for your blessing on each and every one of us this morning that you would touch our lives again, that you would reconcile us because you created us that you you might sustain us. In your name we pray. Amen.